0: We're going to go ahead and go to the message of this time. Take your Bibles. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1-11. through 11. We're going to be reading Matthew, chapter 2. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And now Bethlehem in the land of Judah... Art not least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for this another opportunity to preach Your Word. And Lord, I pray that You will speak to the hearts tonight. Lord, and I pray that You'll help us all to get something from this message that will be a help to us. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, Christmas, it's a time of year, as we all know, where a great deal of the focus is on gifts. Not just the gifts that we hope to get, but the gifts that we're going to get other people. You know, uh, to the extreme. I mean, people they obsess about, they worry about it, they fight over them on Black Friday. People are just anxious to get those perfect gifts. But have you ever thought about what could you give Jesus on Christmas? After all, it's His birth that we're celebrating. So, but what do you get the creator of the universe? Think about it. I mean, this is, this is God we're talking about. Everything that is in existence, it was spoken into existence by Him. He's the creator. He's God. He lives in heaven where there's streets of gold and gates of pearl. What do we possibly have that we could give Him? Well, there actually is something that He does want from each of us. But here's some things a lot of people have tried. We see here in the in this first story that the wise men, of course, we know that this was a couple years later, but I guess it could have been on Christmas, maybe two years later. We don't know, but they came and they brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they, those were obviously important gifts. That gold, of course, anything gold, anybody is good. There's a lot of purpose for that, a lot of value. That frankincense, it was, and myrrh, those were, uh, it was like an oil or a sap that uh, they could burn and it gave off a, a very pleasant smell and it was something that was very hard to come by and it was something that came from this area where they were from probably um, probably an Arab country where they were from but what so what could we give well some ideas that many people try when it comes to what can I give for Jesus Christ they think let's give him something of great material value. We know what, I'll, let's give a really big Christmas offering this year. Now, I would have no problem if anybody gave a big Christmas offering. But at the same time, I don't know that that's exactly what Jesus is looking for on Christmas. Now, Jesus can take your material gifts and use them for good. He can. Anything that you could do, anything, uh, he can, he takes, He'll take your money, He'll take any offerings you have, and He can use them for His glory. But the truth is, that's not the main thing He wants. He wants. These wise men, the gifts that they gave to Jesus, I believe that Joseph and Mary, they took those gifts and they used them to fund their escape to Egypt. They had to go and hide out in Egypt until the death of Herod to save the life of the Messiah. And I believe that they took those gifts and they put them to good use and they were able to do that. But this can't be the best gift because Jesus, He was able to do great things with pretty much nothing. You may remember the story of the little boy who gave a lunch. There's a multitude of people. Five thousand men, not, not counting the women and children. Thousands of people, and nobody thought to bring anything to eat. And there was one lad though, he had brought five loaves of bread and two fish. That's an awful lot for a kid to eat. I think he was planning on maybe sharing with somebody. He came prepared, and he went and, it's just a drop in the bucket, there's there's no way you can feed that many people but he gave it to Jesus and you know the story Jesus took those 5 loaves and 2 fish and he he prayed and he blessed them and he began to break that bread and they started passing it out and they were they passed it out enough to feed every one of those people till they were full. So Jesus he can take our gifts and while there's nothing wrong with sacrificing and giving a large gift, we know that Jesus Christ can take a small gift. There was this other story in the Bible where people were bringing their offerings and many of the rich, they brought in of their abundance and they put these great offerings in and Jesus doesn't seem to be impressed but then when some woman comes, a poor woman, and she gives two mites, it was all she had, it would be nothing to us but Jesus, He was excited about that. And you know what, God can use pretty much nothing if we give it to Him, uh, in obedience to Him. So the size doesn't matter. So I don't believe that it's a gift, a material gift that Jesus wants. Or let's give it, but what if it's something that takes great effort? Now, maybe you wives before, you know, your husband, he wanted to impress you, and maybe he thought, well, if I spend a lot of money, that'll make her happy. But there was really no thought that went into it. You know, there's something special about a gift that took a lot of thinking, where you know that they were really thinking when when they bought that gift. That they had to put a lot of thought into it. Those ones are really special. Is that what Jesus wants? Does He want something that takes a great deal of thought or a great deal of effort? Maybe something you know they worked hard. That's why even a little child, that's why uh, they can just draw you a picture or make some kind of craft and when they give it, there's something special about that because you know that great effort went into it, that great thought went into that and it makes it special. Is that what Jesus wants? Let me tell you, Jesus can take our efforts as small as they may be and He can do great things with them. The wise men, they not only gave Jesus valuable gifts, but these guys made a great journey to give that gift. Two years it took them. They saw that star the day He was born and they began to travel and head to that place to meet this King. Two years they traveled. Let me tell you, a great deal of effort went into just giving Jesus these gifts. Not only were they valuable gifts, but these men two years it took and obviously they were going to have to travel back for another two years. The effort with these gifts was incredible. Is that what Jesus wants? The wise men not only gave Jesus valuable gifts, but they made a great journey. But this can't be the best gift either because Jesus, we see in the Bible where He took small armies and won great battles with them while the soldiers did barely anything. For example, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. They had these massive walls that there was no way they could get through. God told Joshua, I just want you to march around it for six days. Just march around it one time a day. On the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. And then I want you all to to blow your trumpets and yell as loud as you can. And he did that and those walls fell down. There wasn't great effort. They were just obedient. They were just obedient. Um, also, Gideon, they were going. there was 300 men going up against multitudes, thousands and thousands. And God told Gideon, all I need you to do is go, take some pictures, put some lamps inside them. I want you to go spread out into three different groups, and I want you to smash those pictures and yell the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they did that and it confused the Midianites and they began to flee and Gideon and his 300 men went in there and they defeated that entire army. It was God that did that. So God can, while He does appreciate a good effort, God can take small efforts. You might think, I can't even do that much. But you don't have to have great abilities to do something great for God. We see all through the Bible where people with very little abilities did great things for God. just... Matter being obedient, so maybe, maybe it's so, let's give him something that takes not just a not just something of great material value, not just something of great effort, but let's give him something that takes a lot of thought. Now think about it, Jesus knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. The Bible says, and He's pleased when our motives are right. You ever you've heard the statement? It's the thought that counts. One of my favorite commercials. It's a Valentine's Day commercial advertising something. And the lady, she asks her husband, she's like, What did you get me for Valentine's Day? And he said, Nothing, but I thought about getting you something. She's like, Oh, thank you so much. And then they said, If it only was the thought that counts, <laughs> I always appreciate that commercial. But the thoughts, Jesus knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. There's no doubt that the wise men went through a great, they thought a great deal about what to give the king of the Jews. They took, this serious but while gifts that take a lot of thought are good this can't be the best gift because it was God that gave us the mind that we think with and the ability to do everything we do and anything we could ever possess it's already his so really what in the world do we have to offer all of our abilities come from God all that we possess comes from God anything we could think is God that made us the way we are we are so what think we do there's only one thing that you have that Jesus does not already have and there's only one thing that he cannot get without you giving it to him there's only one thing that he wants more than anything else and that you can give and that is your heart It's your heart it's that simple the Bible says in verse 10. It says for with the, uh, Romans chapter ten, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, not with the understanding merely, but with such, uh, but with such a faith that shall be sincere and shall influence the life. There can be no other genuine faith than that which influences the whole mind. You hear us talk a lot about giving your heart to Christ, but a lot of times people don't understand what it is. They'll say, "I gave my heart to Christ." But the heart, what does the heart mean exactly? It's not just talking about this muscle or this organ we have inside our chest that's pumping blood through our bodies. But the heart, when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the chief part, the vital part. I mean, the most important part. I mean, think about it. There's a lot of body parts that we can lose. But your heart, if you lose your heart, that's it. You're done. I've had my appendix taken out. I don't miss them, to tell you the truth. But my heart... If that was gone, I'm in trouble. We can lose limbs, we can lose other organs, but you lose your heart, you're done. It's the most important part. It's it's kind of in the center, and it is central. I mean, just the heart affects everything. Your heart starts working bad, a lot of your other body parts are gonna start working bad. And so when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the sea of the affections and passions of love, joy, grief. I mean just who we are, the what the most important. Part of your life, you give that to God. That's your heart. John chapter two, verses twenty-three through twenty-five. I want to read a couple of verses to you. John chapter two. Turn over there if you like. It says now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the Feast Day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which He did. But Jesus did not commit Himself unto them because He knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for He knew what was in man." We see here a story where Jesus goes and He does all these miracles and people believed in Him in the sense where they were like, okay, there's something special about this guy. He just did some great miracles. You know, I think these people may have even believed that He was the Messiah. They may have even believed that He was the Son of God. But you know what? While they understood all these things about Jesus, the Bible says Jesus didn't commit Himself to them because He knew what was in their heart. While they were impressed with Jesus, while I believe they even knew who Jesus was, they weren't about to put Him first in their life. They weren't about to repent of their sins and call on Him. He wasn't the focal point. They did not want to receive Him in their hearts and Jesus knew that. And He didn't save those people. I believe there's many people today who while they've gone to church and while they've maybe even said prayers, they've never made Jesus Christ the center part of their life and the most important thing. They've never given their heart to Jesus Christ. When you give your heart, it's like you're giving the mo- you're, you're really, you're giving your entire life into His hand. You can't live without your heart. I can give my right arm. For somebody, and I can still go on and have a life and do some things. But you give your heart. That's it. That you're done. It's in their heart is in your hands. They are. Uh, you are in their control. And when we give our heart to Jesus Christ. We he. We're going to let him control us. He's got our heart. He's got our heart. We're going to do what he says to do. We're going to follow his will. We're going to follow his leading. And so many people today, they've not done that. They've never actually. Given them their heart. There are many that believe in the works of Jesus. They believe that He can give them a better life, but they've never given them their heart. Jesus is just a tool for them to have a better life. He's not the center of their life. Their will is still their own will. But you truly give Jesus your heart when you surrender your will to His. So what can you give the Savior? It's that simple. Give Him your heart. If you've never done that, I hope you'll do that today. I'd like for us all just to stand for a moment with our heads bowed and eyes closed.